Hi, I'm Ken Sandberg. And I'm Heather Michelle Lawler. Welcome to Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf. It's 2021, y'all! We made it! Ooh, I liked that jam. <laughs> I think I am going to add beatboxing onto my list of skills that I don't have. Okay, I was like, <laughs> I was like, are you going to add that to your resume? Because I think it's a little premature, but it's 2021, so maybe that can be a skill you get better at in 2021, or it can be a skill we just laugh about that neither of us are very good at. Yeah, well, okay, so they say it takes uh, 10,000 hours yep. to become a master at a thing. Yes. So... Uh, if you were to work on a new skill for 40 hours a week, it would take you 250 weeks. So I could yeah. become a master beatboxer in five years if you I could. decided to uh, to put my put my effort into that. You could. I mean, I we just, have friends that are very good at it. I'm I sure they give you some tips. Full time job. <laughs> Well, what else do we have to do? <laughs> Hopefully something before five years from now. I hope so, too, because, um, yeah, just, uh, yeah, I, I don't, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> you make a very eloquent point. I just had, like, a flash of my life if I'm, like, still, like, in this exact position in five years. And I'm like, I, no, 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 I don't, I don't want to be chilling in my parents' house in my childhood in, in, bedroom in the room over your parents garage in five years <laughs> like we are but, very appreciative of the uh the place to be during this shithole of a time but i did get my six hundred dollars so thanks government that's cool i immediately got be, on amazon and bought crafting prime <laughs> there would be there would be one well i suppose two major differences if we were still here in yeah. five years uh the first one being of course that this room would be filled to the brim with craft projects. Yes. And the second would be that you would be living with a master beatboxer. <laughs> well, now I feel like I have to pick a skill that I want to be really amazing at. And five. Well, I or a bunch of the shit I ordered on Amazon is this resin, like like resin jewelry, resin like uh, little like paperweights and like that kind of stuff. So maybe I'm a master resonator. <laughs> You're already a master resonator. Yes, I am. That's what acting grad school was for. And I'm a master at that. <laughs> <laughs> we already have masters. It's that's that's also <laughs> what these microphones do. If you say master resonator. Master, master resonator. resonator. Yeah, see, that's In what I'm world. talking about. <laughs> yeah, take that. Um I definitely didn't add all of that resonance and ambiance you heard in post. That um, is you not don't a need thing. to add anything to my voice. It's just lovely right here. <laughs> See, that's all natural. That's all the agents. Yeah, that robot voice she just did is not natural. <laughs> that I did add in post. I am always a little scared when <laughs> Ken is editing the podcast. Uh, and he starts giggling and like I'm like, is it something we did? Because a lot of times yeah, we're ridiculous. Sometimes we're funny. But uh sometimes it's a it's like an evil giggle cuz I know he's adding some weird sound effect that is always amazing, but I always get nervous. What is he going to what is he going to do? Like last week I loved <laughs> the meows. 
Oh no, I didn't. I didn't add that. That was just that was Lina censoring oh, us. Yeah, of she course. decided she didn't like some of the language. She we didn't were using. like the word "see you next Tuesday," so, so she went meow. She um <laughs> she came by and uh and kept meowing really loud right into my microphone, yeah. and it it overpowered everything that either of us were saying. <laughs> well, yeah. what, well, what's funny about that is I was like, leave it in. Like, I don't like to censor. I mean, we clearly have a podcast where we say fuck and shit and like, it's fine. I don't like to censor people. But like, I was talking to my friends in New York. I have this like group from my gym and one of them said, What's up, hamsters? Hey, hamsters, my throbbing hamsters from Mark Fisher Fitness. Shout out. Um, we were talking to them while Ken was editing, and I said, should we edit out See You Next Tuesday? And they were like, well, who are you talking about? And I went, oh, no, it's a fictional character. And they're like, then no. And then I, like, explained the context, and they were like, actually, can you bleep it, but bleep it with meows? <laughs> and, like, that was, like, a group, like, collaboration. And it just so happened that there were three of them. So comedy in threes, meow, meow, meow. So if you haven't listened to last week's episode, check it out. (laughs) Of course, I much prefer the story that Lina just doesn't like the word, (laughs) which is why she just came and meowed me out saying it again. Lina, come on. We told you you'd get your own episode one day. (laughs) Don't censor me, Lina. (laughs) Kitty cat meow. (laughs) Well, all that, yeah, so... uh, I hope everyone had a wonderful uh, end of 2020 and dive into 2021. I did my traditional uh, day after New Year's, like, cleanse day. I basically, like, didn't do anything. Um, Some people call it National Hangover Day, but I didn't really have a hangover. I was just kind of like, I don't want to do anything. Like, slept in, watched an entire almost season of Project Runway, and... uh, and you know, took a bath, and that, that all sounds like time well spent. That was it. Was my uh, I always call the first like my gap day. It's like one you got to have twenty four hours between the years before you can really start the new one. So today's been very proactive. That's fair. I guess that's the same concept as taking a gap year yeah. after high school. Yes. Um, you you need a full day to be a real person again before you can jump into the next thing. Yeah, you gotta like you gotta like let it all go. So I hope everyone had a successful one. And uh, this episode actually comes out on the 5th, which is the Georgia runoff. So if you are in Georgia, go vote. Or if you've already voted, thank you. This vote is, blue. This is very important. This is this is actually, it's the kind of thing where these runoff elections are, are often kind of um boring we we already know what the result is going to be or maybe it doesn't matter that much but in this case a we don't know because the i mean i know you can only trust polling so far yeah but um (laughs) the the polls do have it much closer than anyone ever expected uh and um, the like the makeup of the Senate does kind of hang in the balance. It this would bring it. This would get um, Mitch McConnell the fuck out of his position. I am sick of watching that turtle ass like bitch hole uh, just decide everything for all of us. You do make a fair point, although I will say I never get tired of watching turtle asses. <laughs> Turtle asses are different. Like They're, when baby turtles get born and they like turtle into the ocean. That is the cutest shit cute. I've ever seen. You know, it's not cute. Mitch McConnell's face. <laughs> and it never was. So fuck that guy. I'm going to say it right now. 
Bye. Go to the polls. I don't want to ever see that man's face again. <laughs> uh, all right. So we actually have a lot to accomplish this episode. Oh. Um, because first things first, if you, if you listen really closely. What's happening? Oh my god, it's happening! So here we are. This is uh, this is another episode of True, True Crimes, Crimes and, and a Lie. It's been a while since we did this. Yay. Um, but uh, I thought it'd be fun to bring it back in the new year. For those of you who are not familiar, True Crimes and a Lie is our game show within a podcast. I am going to read an overview or synopses or summary of three crimes uh, that took place, have taken place. Two of them actually happened, and one of them is the plot to a story, a novel, a movie, a, a fictional video game, a something fictional. Uh, and it is Heather's job to try to figure out which one was the fake crime and which ones were real and for added bonus can she guess the theme so we very much encourage you to play along at home heather has been doing quite well lately she's I got a have. she's got a really good record uh and i'm two to one right i think you're you're two two, two, two wins and one, and one loss two and one yeah um but you've also picked up all of the bonus points for guessing the theme i have usually um, before you're done usually before i'm done <laughs> uh i'm i'm guessing uh, I'm guessing you're definitely going to pick up the theme. Okay, let's find out. Let's we'll, we'll, play, we'll play along with me at home. <laughs> Get it? True crimes and a lie. It's two, two, two truths, truths and, a lie. and a lie. True crimes. I'm just and a making lie. sure people get yeah. our ridiculousness. Uh, so before <laughs> I begin, spoiler alert for not only a crime story that you might hear on a true crime podcast, but also potentially for other pop culture things that I might reference in the following section. Also, I am avoiding the use of proper names as much as possible to avoid tipping Heather or you, the listener, off with a name that you might recognize either from a book or movie or, of course, from the news. Like when we had the Halloween one and Michael Myers was the guy, so he just said, giveaway. this man. Yeah. <laughs> Which I appreciate, because yep. I still have not seen Halloween, by the way, but I would, have, I would have known who that was. All right. So Let's do it. We begin with a man we'll call W. Okay. Who was raised in a religiously conservative family. In fact, he referred to his mother as a fanatic. Uh, okay. He became known as the Vampire King. <laughs> he and his wife, whom he married when she was 15, oh, had no. several children together. They lived in abandoned homes and other non-traditional housing. The Vampire King homeschooled his children, reading to them from his own handwritten Bible, which focused on Jesus as a vampire. What the actual... <laughs> His children were taught to be prepared for Armageddon. His daughters and nieces were not allowed contact with their male siblings and cousins or with their mother. He also ended up having children with his own children. Oh, God. Well, of course. Oh, my God. Eventually, members of his extended family, led by two nieces who had rebelled against the cult and escaped, tracked him down, contacted authorities, and demanded that the uh, the children be released. 
when they got inside, his nine children that were home at the time were found dead <gasps> in a room full of antique coffins. There were oh. children who were not home at the time who survived. Oh, my God. Uh, he was um, captured, convicted, and put to death. Oh, my God. I hope that's fictional. <laughs> I hope that's fictional. Story number two. This one flips the script a little. Uh, it feels a little bit more like a um, Salem witch trials okay. situation. So McCarthyism. Uh, a wealthy man who we'll call Mr. C returned from an overseas trip. Can I call him Mr. C you next Tuesday? You, you can if you want. Fabulous. Yes. Um, so he, uh, Mr. Meow, <laughs> returned from an overseas trip with a new wife who we'll call Mrs. Meow. <laughs> so glad there's two of them now. Uh, she was almost immediately mistrusted by his friends and neighbors um, because she was a stranger. She was a foreigner, you know, etc. Okay. Um, particularly mistrusted by the mother of Mr. C's illegitimate son. Okay. Okay. Um, Mr. So C. So his ex. His, his ex, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Mr. C uh, got sick and Mrs. C was accused of poisoning him. When no poison was found, Mr. C's baby mama accused Mr. C of causing the sickness through her powers as a vampire. When Mrs. C's son, uh, when Mr. C's son died, that sealed the deal. Mrs. C was abducted by a mob, tied up, and brought to a pit where the plan was to throw her into the pit and kill her. Holy! Uh, by the time the authorities caught up to the mob en route to the pit, she had already suffocated to death because they'd put like a bag over her head. To keep her from seeing where they were going. So they did plastic, not paper. <laughs> when uh, when medical examiners determined that both Mr. C's sickness and his son's death were completely not vampire related. You think? The people of the mob were charged with murder, or at least the ones they could track down. The woman whose son had died was found dead, <gasps> presumably by suicide, before she had a chance to stand trial. One member of the mob ended up going to prison and lived the rest of his life believing that he had rid the world of a vampire. Oh, my God. Okay, so the theme is vampires. Correct. <laughs> um, which I was not expecting. <laughs> so, because two of these are true. <laughs> um, All right. Third story. Okay. Shortly after being discharged from the military for psychological issues, a man that we'll call H began a life of petty crime. He spent as some time, as you do, he spent some time in prison for larceny, embezzlement, and assault. After his release, he became a police informant, snitching on members of the criminal underworld setting himself up as a fence and then informing law enforcement, often staging his own arrest so that the criminals would still trust him. Oh, he was like, he he was in deep. Yeah, yeah. So he well, was super Well, I have a feeling snitches are going to get stitches. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
he uh, he became suspected of the disappearances of several young men. Oh. But uh, could not be formally accused of anything since no bodies were found. Oh, God. Eventually, human manes were found along- Human manes? Human- It's like they only found their hair. They only found their hair. Eventually, human remains were found along a nearby river. It was determined that the victims, or at least uh, those of whom this kind of physical evidence was still available, were bitten on the neck. Oh, my God. uh, Strangled and dismembered before disposal. Oh, my God. H was arrested after a boy told police that he had been H's prisoner for several days. It was discovered H was responsible for at least 24 deaths, all boys and young men, though before he was eventually killed for his crimes, he confessed to having murdered between 50 and 70. And he said that if he wasn't stopped... He would certainly kill again. Oh, my God. What the... (laughs) These are all... I mean, they're always twisted. These, This one's specifically twisted because they're all vampires. (laughs) So, like, I don't think of reality and vampires. (laughs) So, I'm like, oh, God, which one's... I'm I'm going to... I'm going to... Okay, I'm still... I'm going to go with my, my gut again, which is just purely out of hope is that the first one is fictional. The first one is fictional. Uh, I'm, 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 go ahead. Yep, that's what I'm saying. That's your guess. Yep. Um, listener, do you agree? What's your guess? Um, <sighs> unfortunately, the first one is not fictional. Oh, God, I hate it so much. Uh, Jesus. Uh, this, um, this happened in Fresno, California in 2004. Oh, my God. The man's God. name is uh, Marcus Wesson. <gasps> Uh, the children that were found dead were shot in the head. Oh, God. The, in no, okay. court, he claimed that his eldest daughter had done it, but in court they decided, well, yeah, maybe, but you're the one who forced her to do it. Yeah, you, I mean, you um, were in control of all those people. Yeah. Oh, man. So he oh. was, he was, uh, he was sentenced to death in 2005 and is, uh, at least as currently as the story I was able to find is on death row in San Quentin. My God, fuck that guy! Oh my God, two thousand four. Two thousand four. Jesus. Um. Why are all the all the cults in California? Mister and Mrs. Meow. Okay. Uh, are actually uh, Mister and Madam Cabanel. Okay. Um, that is the storyline for the short story "The Fate of Madam Cabanel" by Eliza Lynn Linton. All right. Written in eighteen seventy three. All right. When you first started telling that story, the very beginning made me think of the movie Original Sin with Antonio Banderas and Angelina <laughs> Jolie because he goes and marries this like stranger and immediately all his friends are like, something ain't right. And it's like, it, it's a crazy ass movie. <laughs> but yeah. And then I was like, oh, that's not it. Uh, and then our thor- third story, the, the man named Mr. H, is the story of Fritz Harmon who is known as the Vampire of Hanover. Where uh, the hell's Hanover? Germany. He's okay. German. Well, of course he is. <laughs> That's where vampires should be. <laughs> um, he was labeled as a criminal and delusional from a young age, partly because of his homosexuality. Oh, 
no. Uh, he was sent to a mental institution oh, from no. which he escaped, possibly with the help of his mother. Reports on that vary. Well, if he was sent to an institution because he's gay, I hope his mother would let him out. Yeah. Um, the, the, the murders that are confirmed... Uh, took place between the years 1918 and 1924. But again, he uh, claimed to have killed at least twice as many people as they, found. as they found and could confirm. So it's hard to know, although he was convicted and sentenced to the guillotine oh. in 1924. So it definitely didn't go after that. Oh, my. did he die by guillotine? Yep. Oh, shit. Yep. Y'all, I'm making a movement um, for the guillotine <laughs> to come back. Um, come, going back to that whole Mitch McConnell thing. I'm just saying. Uh, I will leave it there. But okay, that was fun. <laughs> All right. All uh, right. Ge- so, Woo, so, listener at home, how'd you do? How'd you do? Were I you lost. Right? I, I tend to get Did swayed by the, the one that upsets me the most. I just really hope is fictional. Yeah. Even though I know humanity is insane, which is why we need the guillotine again. Rise up. All right. Uh, so this has been True, True Crimes, Crimes and a Lie. Hey, I missed that. Yeah. I missed that one. It's a good and segment. And it's, nice, it's a nice crossover because we have a lot of uh, supporters on like Twitter and stuff who are true crime podcasts. And uh, this kind of ties us to them. So yeah. if any of you are listening and you haven't done any of those stories... Do it, because now I'm intrigued. Yeah, let's let's hear a full like hour long episode report on uh, Fitz Harmon. Oh yeah, I definitely want to know about that. And I, I, yeah, that's some crazy shit. <laughs> All right, hey, yield crime. I think that they we we promoted them a few like a couple months back. They'd be perfect for them because they do crimes that are at least a hundred years old. Like we do stories that are in public domain. So. Yeah. Check it out, ladies. <laughs> All right. Uh, so this brings us to the reason we are all here. Why are we here? We're you know, here. you found out we're why here. we're all here. We're all here to read stories. Oh, I thought you meant in the grander scheme of things. That is what I meant. We are all here to read stories. <laughs> we are all here to read and tell we're, stories. We're just here to tell stories. That is what life is for. I mean, it's giving us a purpose. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. So, uh, today, uh, we, we're going back to our longstanding tradition of fun facts being all about the author. Yeah, Something we seem to have gotten away from recently. Yeah, because um, we've doubled up on authors. Yeah, so but find I'm, something else fun to do. I'm, I'm doing this because this is an author we haven't read before. <gasps> Newbie! Uh, so, notes come from the Dictionary of Australian Biography. Oh, shit! The book... Tales from a Gaslit Graveyard, <gasps> and as always, Wikipedia. Oh, shit. Is he Australian? She Australian? So, James Hume Nesbitt was born on August 8th, 1849, in Stirling, Scotland. Okay. But there is an Australia connection. Oh, I'm, I have no doubt. He a significant did, one. He get in trouble and he get put in prison? Um... <laughs> So he was born in Scotland. He received special artistic training and education under the Reverend Dr. Colorpus, Colorus, Colorus. That's not a P. There's just a little smudge on my screen. Uh, Colorus. Um, 
who uh, later ended up working at Bristol College. Okay. Uh, and he was there up until the age of 15. At 16, he moved to Australia and stayed there for about seven years. Just because he was like, I'm going to check it out. Yeah. I mean, I did that for a year. It's um, pretty great. Hey, Australia. So during his seven years in Australia, he traveled around. He hit Tasmania, New Zealand, and the South Sea Islands. Uh, and he spent that time painting, sketching, writing poetry and stories, and making notes for what would become his future works. God, I wish I was independently wealthy. Right. Must be nice. <laughs> like, I wish fuck. I was independently a Scottish lord. <laughs> like, fuck. I'd just travel around for seven years and be like, yep. meh. Um, Make art. He also spent one year of that period acquiring new theatrical experience <laughs> in the Theatre Royal at Melbourne. Oh, under actor, Melbourne. Under actor Richard Stewart. Okay. Um, uh, Nisbet returned. I have two friends there in Melbourne. Oh, what's up, Melbourne? Hey. You listening? It's, you should be. It's Brooke and Davey from the ship. Hi, guys. Hey, Brooke and Davey, if you're listening... And you fucking better be. <laughs> What's up? Say hi. I love you guys. <laughs> uh, so Nisbet returned to London in 1872 and spent time studying and copying pictures in the National Gallery and in South Kensington. At the end of the next year, he went back to Scotland to become a painter full time and only writing occasionally when he got bored or ran out of things to paint. Life's hard. For eight years, he was art master of the Watt Institution of School and Art in Edinburgh. Damn, so he's good. He went back to Australia and New Guinea again during 1886 and again again to Australia in 1895. That's a long trip back then. You did not get on an 18-hour plane, which is long as hell. You were on a ship, well, multiple ships, like... It, like holy crap! So that's you can a tell he's journey. super jamming on Australia. He loves Australia. <laughs> um, From Scotland to Australia, that's not an easy journey. And and though I've never been, from everything I've heard, fair enough. Australia's pretty damn cool. It's fucking banging, y'all. Once quarantine shit's done, I highly recommend a visit. It is amazing. Um, For all of his studying and work and time commitment, he never really reached the level of success as an artist that he hoped for, and he wrote about how bitter that made him in one of his books, uh, Where Art Begins, which he published in 1892. Um, can I think every artist needs to read that book, because I'm going to guess it's very similar to what most artists feel. Probably. Even highly successful ones, because um, you never reach as much as you want. So eventually he realized realized that success as an artist was never really going to come and he turned back to writing. He produced many volumes of verse, uh, books on art and fiction. Several of his novels were influenced by his time in Australia um, and uh, his his thrillers in particular are often set in the outback. Ooh. Uh, Many of his volumes are collections of ghost stories, a theme that is weirdly common among the writers we choose. I think it's because, like, back then, the paranormal and, like, superstition of that was super, like, main... Like, that was, like... I mean, the ghost club and stuff. I mean, this is mainstream, and this was before a lot of science, like, like, deep dives into science. So, like, 
I I still believe in ghosts and paranormal. Like, but some people are like, oh, that can't happen. But 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 like, I feel like the fantastical was so much more alive then because there wasn't television, there wasn't all these other things. So you had to like come up with these like fantastical things that were. Well- well, and it seems for for a while, uh, alien abduction stories yeah. took over the the role that that, that ghost, ghost stories did. had. Like Although the fifties and stuff, yeah, yeah. That, that didn't seem to. Um, uh, I've, I've seen some pretty crazy alien stories on like what was right. that show we were watching? But I think that was Unsolved Mysteries, that, wasn't yeah. it? Holy um, crap, that one was kooky. But I think. Um, uh, I think uh, those alien abduction stories tend to much more quickly be like, nah, dude, you're crazy. Like, nah, that was a weather balloon. Yeah. Or, nah, that was, you did too much acid last night kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> How drunk are you right now? <laughs> um, anyway, Nisbet uh, did eventually move back to London. He became a member of the Yorick Club London, uh, which was a club, uh, sort of a a social club for uh, artists and literary types that was first set up in Melbourne. And then the London branch opened and he was part of that. Uh, And he died in Eastburn, Sussex, England in 1923. All right. So that is Hume Nesbitt. Hume Nesbitt. Nope. Hume Nisbet. Hume Nisbet. Nisbet. It's N-I, not N-E. I keep trying to make him Nisbet, and he's Nisbet. It's Nisbet. Nisbet. Hume Nisbet. Uh, so. Hume. I haven't, I've never heard that name actually used except in Lost. Right. Desmond Hume. And yeah. even there, it's a last name. And that's name. a last name. Uh, so, today you will be reading from Hume Nisbet, The Vampire Maid. It's vampire themed. Yep. The whole thing is. Okay. All right, let's Let's, start this fire. Let's start it. The Vampire Maid by Hume Nisbet. It was the exact kind of abode that I had been looking after for weeks, for I was in that condition of mind when absolute renunciation of society was a necessity. (laughs) Been there, dude. Yeah, right? I had become defi... Dividend? D-I-F-F-I-D-E-N-T. Diffident. Modest or shy because of a lack of self-confidence. Aww. Oh, we've all been there, too. We've all so, wanted to get away. This and guy's fed up with society and feeling kind of... Defeated um, and low self-esteem. Kind of low self-esteem. Aww. Poor little puppy. Oh, no. I had been diffident of myself and wearied of my kind. A strange unrest was in my blood, a barren dearth in my brains. Familiar objects and faces had grown distasteful to me. I wanted to be alone. So he's got depression yep. and he needs some serious Zoloft. I yep. got you, bro. Come get come get your Zoloft from Heather. <laughs> Wait, is he is he gonna go out into the Australian outback? Because you can get real alone out there. I don't want him to go actually be alone. Cause like, take some. Take some personal time, but, like, don't go into the outback. You're going to run into a vampire, I'm guessing. (laughs) Well, yeah. This is the mood which comes upon every sensitive and artistic mind when the possessor has been overworked or living too long in one groove. That is the best fucking sentence we have read on this entire podcast. That sentence is phenomenal. (laughs) 
<laughs> this guy has some insight, clearly, into what it means to be an artist. Holy shit, this is 20, this is like the past, I mean, it happened before, but like the past like nine, ten months for artists, this is every single one of us because we just living, can't. Living too long in one groove. In one groove without being able to express yourself through art because that's what we live for. Oh my God. Whew. I'm reading that again. Just, and I hope you keep both of them in. <laughs> this is the mood which comes upon every sensitive and artistic mind when the possessor has been overworked or living too long in one groove. <sighs> it is nature's hint for him to seek pastures new, the sign that a retreat has become needful. If he does not yield, he breaks down and becomes whimsical and hypochondratical as well as hypercritical. Wow. This person is me. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I picked this one for you. Hyperchondratical. What a great way to say hypochondriac. <laughs> Hypochondratical. It is always a bad sign when a man becomes overcritical and censorious about his own or other people's work, for it means that he is losing the vital portions of work, freshness, and enthusiasm. This is legit, y'all. Yeah. Before I arrived at the dismal stage of criticism, I hastily packed up my knapsack and taking the train to Westmoreland, I began my tramp in search of solitude, bracing air and romantic surroundings. Where's Westmoreland? Is that in that sounds like an Australian town? There's a Westmoreland County in Pennsylvania. <laughs> I don't There's think he's there. The town of Westmoreland, Tennessee. Uh, there is Westmoreland County in New South Wales. That That's probably it. There is uh, Westmoreland County in England. There oh. is Westmoreland, New Zealand. There so is he's in one of those three. Westmoreland Parish in Jamaica. <laughs> there are two Westmorelands in New Brunswick, Canada. I hope he's in Jamaica. <laughs> <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There are 11 Westmorelands in the United States, including the failed state of Westmoreland. It was proposed for statehood in 1784. Oh, my God. <laughs> Where is it? The state of Westmoreland was proposed self-proclaimed state that would have seceded from Pennsylvania. Oh, damn. Was it like Pennsylvania? Um, in 1784, after the Congress of the Confederation had ruled that the territory belonged to Pennsylvania rather than Connecticut. So, no, it's over over oh. by Connecticut. Oh, shit. Um, yeah. All right. Fancy. Well, I, I'm guessing we're going to find out where this is through, like, context clues. All right. That was a long-ass <laughs> tangent. We now dive. return you to your story. <laughs> Depressed man goes to Westmoreland. Goes, goes to Westmoreland in search of solitude and romantic surroundings. Many places I came upon during that early summer wandering that appeared to have almost the required conditions, yet some petty drawback prevented me from deciding. Sometimes it was the scenery that I did not take kindly to. At other places, I took sudden antithesis to the landlady or landlord I've been there and felt I would abhor them before a week was spent under their charge. That's fair. <laughs> Other places 
which might have suited me, I could not have, as they did not want a lodger. Fate was driving me to this cottage on the moor, and no one can resist destiny. Ooh. <laughs> oh, shit. All right. Oh, damn. So on the moor sounds like we're in the UK. It does sound like we're in the UK because there's that wonderful play on uh, the moors. <laughs> One day I found myself on a wide and pathless moor near the sea. I had slept the night before at a small hamlet, but that was already eight miles in my rear. (laughs) Damn, that's a long way in your butt. (laughs) It's a perfectly lovely phrase if you don't have the mind of a 10-year-old boy. Which is always me, by the way. <laughs> I still blame Beavis and Butthead for everything is wrong in my life. <laughs> I blame Beavis and Butthead for everything. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Let's get back to his rear. Um, I had slept that night before at a small hamlet, but that was already eight miles in my... <laughs> we don't get to move on until you get through it once without laughing. Actually, funnier the second time because I knew it was coming. Um. Take three. <laughs> Dear listener, at the moment she's laughing so hard that she can't breathe. I may be stepping away from the mic momentarily to check on her. I'm a little bit worried about her getting enough oxygen to finish the story. Oh, that's dangerous. She's drinking now. No, I'm trying to. that funny I just needed to laugh that hard at something (laughs) one day I found myself on a wide and pathless moor near the sea I had slept the night before at a small hamlet but that was already eight miles in my rear (laughs) it's the my rear not in the rear (laughs) What what if you just say that was already eight miles behind me? No, I'm a fucking professional. I'm I'm patient. I got nothing but time. Oh my god! Holy shit! Okay. If I haven't edited all of this out, our listeners are probably getting really bored. We're out of here now. Okay, I love you It's just a butt joke. What's so funny? (laughs) Butt jokes are hilarious. I had slept the night before at a small hamlet, but that was already eight miles in my rear. And since I had turned my back upon it, I had not seen any signs of humanity. I was alone with a fair sky above me, a balmy ozone-filled wind blowing over the stony and heather-clad mounds, and nothing to disturb my meditation. (laughs) Heather-clad mounds. <laughs> Heather-clad mounds. <laughs> so, my boobs. <laughs> Eight miles in your rear with, with your heather-clad heather mounds. mounds. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> heather-clad mounds. Is that, that, I think that would be the name of your sex tape. <laughs> Jesus. All right, heather-clad mounds. 
and nothing to disturb my meditations. How far the more stretched I had no knowledge. I only knew that by keeping in a straight line I would come to the ocean cliffs, then perhaps after a time arrive at some fishing village. I had provisions in my knapsack and being young did not fear a night under the stars. I was inhaling the delicious summer air and once more getting back the vigor and happiness I had lost. My city-dried brains were again becoming juicy. <laughs> yeah. That is the sexiest way to put camping ever. <laughs> yeah. Moisten those brains. Moisten my city brains. <laughs> How you doing? A bunch Good. of people just turned off our podcast because we said my, moisten. My brain's all moist. <laughs> Thanks to nature. Nature makes me wet. Thus, hour after hour slid past me with the paces until I had covered about 15 miles since morning when I saw before me in the distance a solitary stone-built cottage with roughly slated roof. I'll camp here if possible, I said to myself as I quickened my steps towards it. To one in search of a quiet, free life, nothing could have possibly been more suitable than this cottage. It stood on the edge of lofty cliffs with its front door facing the moor and the backyard wall overlooking the ocean. The sound of the dancing waves struck upon my ears like a lullaby as I drew near, how they would thunder when the autumn gales came on and the seabirds fled shrieking to the shelter of sieges. I want to go there. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, right? Except a, for the vampire that almost certainly well, lives yeah, there. Well, yeah, there's definitely a vampire living here or something. Still. A small garden spread in... I mean, I would almost like deal with a vampire and all that shit for an oceanfront cottage, man. Yeah. You know, right? got to weigh the good and the bad. Especially an oceanfront cottage that is like 15 miles from away from the else. nearest human beings. That's like the best vacation property ever. So, you know, you just like, you, you learn how to live with the vampire. A small garden spread in front, surrounded by a dry stone wall just high enough for one to lean lazily upon while inclined. This garden was a flame of color, scarlet predominating, with others soft shades that cultivated poppies take on in their blooming, for this was all that the garden grew. This is very poetic. And yeah. it, it like it is written poetically. Like Well, and you can tell that he spent a lot of time as a poet and a painter. Yeah. Cause like yeah, it like the it is not written like a novel. It's written almost like poetry. As I approached, taking notice to this singular assortment of poppies and the orderly cleanliness of the windows, the front door opened and a woman appeared who impressed me at once favorably as she leisurely came along the pathway to the gate and drew it back as if to welcome me. Yeah, she did. Yes, yeah, she did. <laughs> she was of middle age and when young must have been remarkably good looking. Dude, middle-aged women can be hot as hell. <laughs> He's going to regret that comment, I have a feeling. She was tall and still shapely with smooth, clear skin, regular features, and a calm expression that at once gave me a sensation of rest. To my inquiry, she said that she could give me both a sitting and bedroom and invited me inside to see them. 
As I looked at her smooth black hair and cool brown eyes, I felt that I would not be too particular about the accommodation. With such a landlady, I was sure to find what I was after here. Wow, I thought he was after solitude. I think he into it. He's like, she's very um, intriguing. The room surpassed my expectation. Dainty white curtains and bedding with the perfume of lavender about them. A sitting room, homely yet cozy without being crowded. With a sigh of indefinite relief, I flung down my knapsack and clenched the bargain. (laughs) She was a widow with one daughter, whom I did not see the first day, and she was unwell and confined... She was a widow with one daughter, whom I did not see the first day as she was unwell and confined to her own room, but on the next day she was somewhat better, and then we met. The fare was simple, yet it suited me exactly for the time. Delicious milk and butter with homemade scones, fresh eggs and bacon. After a hearty tea, I went early to bed in a condition of perfect content with my quarters. Yum. I this want sounds like the now. best fucking bed and breakfast ever. Uh, if we can find this place on Airbnb. Yeah. Let's find it. Vampires aside. It's cool. I'll even like... We could, oh, we should buy a little seaside cottage and, and turn set, it into up, this house. set up a vampire in the upstairs room. Oh, set up a vampire. Yeah. Is that, is that how it works? Yeah. Well, like, no, like a little inflatable <laughs> oh, like, Dracula or something. <laughs> like, like the, like, uh, like one of the ones that's like, I know we're on radio, so you can't see what I'm doing. They like flap their arms around. Oh, we'll get one of those those um, those used car inflatable flappy arm people that they had all over at New Year's Eve. So uh, Planet and, Fitness uh, flapper and we'll turn it into a vampire. And dress it up as Dracula <laughs> and set one of them on the roof. Oh, good. I'm in. I'm in. Yet happy and tired out as I was, I had by no means a comfortable night. This I put down to the strange bed. I slept certainly, but... My sleep was filled with dreams so that I woke up late and unrefreshed. A good walk on the moor, however, restored me, and I returned with a fine appetite for breakfast. It's never a good sign if they don't sleep well. That's no. That's been a theme in a couple of our stories. Yeah, <laughs> although breakfast is always a good sign. I, yeah, always yummy. Mmm, breakfast. Certain conditions of mind with aggravating circumstances are required before even a young man can fall in love at first sight, as Shakespeare has shown in his Romeo and Juliet. In the city, where many fair faces passed me every hour, I had remained like a stoic, yet no sooner did I enter the cottage after that morning walk than I succumbed instantly before the weird charms of my landlady's daughter. Oh, God! I hope she's old <laughs> I was seeing in my mind. Then my landlady's daughter, Air Ariadne Ariadne? What's that? Uh yeah. Ariadne is uh the daughter of King Minos of oh, Crete. Oh, okay. So it, she's she's a major figure in uh, uh Greek, Greek mythology. Okay. Landlady's daughter, Ariadne Brunnell. I really hope she's like 21. Well, if the landlady is middle-aged. Middle-aged, that's true. And it's late 1800s. Yeah. 
then She's she 16, probably 18. she probably had a daughter when she was 20. between 18 and 22 yeah. and if we're calling middle-aged 40ish 40, yeah. that means her daughter is yeah. also between 18 and 22 now right cool when he first said she had a daughter who was sick in bed i imagined like a 7 year old you know <laughs> cuz like like you know which which would definitely make falling in love with her creepier. Really, really creepy. So uh, cut all that out. Anyway. She was somewhat better this morning and able to meet me at breakfast, for we all had our meals together while I was their lodger. Ariadne was not beautiful in the strictly classical sense, her complexion being too lively white and her expression too set to be quite pleasant at first sight, yet, as her mother had informed me, she had been ill for some time, which accounted for that defect. Her features were not regular, her hair and eyes seemed too black with that strangely white skin, and her lips too red for any except the decadent harmonies of an Aubrey Beardsley. So she's she's Wednesday Adams. Yes. <laughs> she well I Or don't, possibly Morticia. Uh, yeah, very Morticia. Wednesday when she grows up. Because yeah. she absolutely turns into her mother. Um Okay, so she's the vampire. <laughs> yeah. Clearly, she's sick in bed and she's pale as all hell and her eyes are black. That's a vampire, yo. <laughs> and you're very like drawn to her. That's no, nope, it's not gonna, Oh yeah. It's not going to end up well. Yet my fantastic dreams of the preceding night with my morning walk had prepared me to be enthralled by this modern poster-like invalid. The loneliness of the moor with the singing of the ocean had gripped my heart with a wistful longing. The incongruity of those flaunting and evanescent poppy flowers dashing the giddy tints in the face of that sober heath touched me with a shiver as I approached the cottage, and lastly that weird embodiment of startling contrasts completed my subjection. Damn! She rose from her chair as her mother introduced her and smiled while she held out her hand. I clasped that soft snowflake, and as I did so, a faint thrill tingled over me and rested on my heart, stopping for the moment its beating. This contact seemed also to have an effect on her as it did me. A clear flush like a white flame lighted up her face, so that it glowed as if an alabaster lamp had been lit. Her black eyes became softer and more humid as our glances crossed, and her scarlet lips grew moist. <laughs> we said it before it even came up. <laughs> moist like my brain. Moist like my scarlet lips and my brain because I'm out of the city. She was a living woman now, while before she had seemed half a corpse. She permitted her white slender hand to remain in mine longer than most people do at an introduction, and then she slowly withdrew it, still regarding me with steadfast eyes for a second or two afterwards. Fathomless, velvety eyes these were, yet before they were shifted from mine, they appeared to have absorbed all my willpower and made me her abject slave. Damn, this girl's got moves. <laughs> 
That's like when you're at a bar and you like linger your eye contact a little longer in the hopes that they'll come over and talk to you or something. <laughs> That's the moves, girl. Yeah, she would uh she would do well in the New York bar scene. Yes, she would. <laughs> but he wouldn't have noticed her there because he was so like eh, in the city. He had to go to the country to really like take her in. Oh yeah, fair point. Maybe she's she's only good at the local tavern. So uh, she, she'd do well at the Scranton bar scene. The Scranton bar scene, or like the bar that what's his face goes in love actually, and like all the hot girls are there. Any bar in Wisconsin. Any bar in Wisconsin. <laughs> yep. They looked like deep dark pools of clear water, yet they filled me with fire and deprived me of strength. I sank into my chair almost as languidly as I had risen from my bed that morning. Damn. Damn. Yet I made a good breakfast, and although she hardly tasted anything, this strange girl rose much refreshed and with a slight glow of color on her cheeks, which improved her so greatly that she appeared younger and almost beautiful. So he cooked her such a good breakfast, she, like, warmed up. Yeah, even though she didn't eat it. Apparently. <laughs> it just got her excited to... Yeah, she she licked, she just, you know, because vampires can't eat real food. That is a real thing. Or at least isn't it? they don't need to. They depends yeah. Depends on whose, uh, yeah. whose mythology who's, you're reading. Yeah. Dear listener, <laughs> if you check into an Airbnb... And your host shakes your hand and all of a sudden you want to be their slave. Get the run. fuck out of there. Run very fast. And then please leave a review on Airbnb so other people don't go there. Thanks. I had come here seeking solitude, but since I had seen Ariadne, it seemed as if I had come here only for her. She was not very lively. Indeed, thinking back, I cannot recall any spontaneous remark of hers. She answered my questions by monosyllables and left me to lead in words. Yet, she was insinuating and appeared to lead my thoughts in her direction and speak to me with her eyes. I cannot describe her m- minutely? Yeah. yeah. Cannot describe her minutely. Can't describe her in detail. Yeah. I cannot, even though he's given quite a bit of detail, (laughs) I cannot describe her minutely. I only know that from the first glance and touch she gave me, I was bewitched and could think of nothing else. It was a rapid, distracting, and devouring infatuation that possessed me. All day long, I followed her about like a dog. Every night, I dreamed of that white, glowing face, those steadfast black eyes, those moist, scarlet lips. (laughs) And each morning, I rose more languid than I had been the day before. Sometimes, I dreamt that she was kissing me with those red lips, while I shivered at the contact of her silky black tresses as they covered my throat— Sometimes that we were floating in the air, her arms around me and her long hair enveloping us both like an inky cloud while I lay supine and helpless. Yeah, A, those aren't dreams. B, those aren't kisses. No, no. (laughs) You get nibbled, baby. You get nibbled real good. (laughs) Mm, Moist nibbles. (laughs) She went with me after breakfast on the first day to the moor, and before we came back, I had spoken my love and received her assent. That was quick. Damn. I, like, how many days was this? He said on the first morning. Uh, 
<laughs> Jesus Christ. She works fast. Whew. She went with me after breakfast on the first day to the moor, and before we came back, I had spoken my love and received her assent. I held her in my arms and had taken her kisses and answers to mine, nor did I think it strange that all this had happened so quickly. She was mine, or rather, I was hers, without a pause. I told her it was fate that had sent me to her, for I had no doubts about my love, and she replied that I had restored her to life. If you like it, then you should put her hang on it. <laughs> well, I think he's going to try, and then he's going to be with her for a very long time. Although he is talking in the past he tense, is. so I wonder if... if he's. I, yeah, we're about to find uh, out. I know, I had that same thought when he was like, I remember. I was like, okay, so did he get away or is he a vampire? Acting upon Ariadne's advice, and also from a natural shyness, I did not inform her mother how quickly matters had progressed, progressed between us. Well, <laughs> shit, I think mama needs to know. <laughs> I think mama would have some objections. <laughs> she probably would, although in fairness... uh if you tell Mama, you probably don't have a place to sleep tonight. Yeah, that's true. He's like, I don't want to scare her away. Uh, I did not inform her mother how quickly matters had progressed between us. Yet, although we both acted as circumspectly as possible, I had no doubt Mrs. Brunnell could see how engrossed we were in each other. Lovers are not unlike ostriches in their modes of concealment. <laughs> makes me think of like when we were like trying to sneak around at like yeah. grad school when we first started dating and we didn't want our classmates to know. Yeah. Anyone who has ever <laughs> had a relationship in the beginning stages that you're trying to keep from people knows that like it doesn't you're work. You're not clever. You're not smooth at all. You are not no. Your blood is not in your brain. <laughs> so you're not nearly as cool as you think you are. Everyone can see it. It's like shoving your head in the sand. I know that that's what the line meant, but I also yeah. immediately imagined trying to hide a new relationship is like trying to hide an ostrich. In the wardrobe. Like, I, I, <laughs> I imagined, like, trying to walk around campus with my pet ostrich that I wasn't supposed to let anyone see. What's that? Nothing? Nothing? It's my purse? <laughs> Ken, what are you trying to put in your locker? I'm going to read that line again, though, because I love it. Lovers are not unlike ostriches in their modes of concealment. I was not afraid of asking Mrs. Brunnell for her daughter, for she had already showed her particular... Per, Particularity? Particularity toward me. Like, she liked him. Like, yeah. Like... I was not afraid of asking Mrs. Brunnell for her daughter, for she had already showed her particularity towards me and had bestowed me upon some confidences regarding her own position in life. And therefore I knew that, so far as social position was concerned, there could be no real objection to our marriage. They lived in this lonely spot for the sake of their health and kept no servant because they could not get any to take service so far away from other humanity. My coming had been opportune and welcome to both mother and daughter. Hmm. The title of this book is 
the vampire maid. So I am intrigued. And it's made as in like, I guess it could be made in like. It's M-A-I-D, the vampire maid. Yeah. For the sake of decorum, however, I resolved to delay my confession for a week or two and trust to some favorable opportunity of doing it discreetly. Meantime, Ariadne and I passed our time in a thoroughly idle and lotus-eating style. Whoa. What the fuck? Each night, I retired to bed meditating starting work the next day. Each morning, I rose languid from those disturbing dreams with no thought for anything outside my love. She grew stronger every day. While I appeared to be taking her place as the invalid, yet I was more frantically in love than ever and only happy when with her. She was my lone star, my only joy, my life. This is not a healthy relationship. Nope. We did not go great distances, for I liked best to lie on the dry heath and watch her glowing face and intense eyes while I listened to the surging of the distant waves. It was love made me lazy, I thought, for unless a man with all he longs for beside him is apt to copy the domestic cat and bask in the sunshine. There are worse things to do. As Lina snores in the background. (laughs) Love makes you like a lazy kitty. I had been enchanted quickly. My disenchantment came as rapidly all the... Oh, shit! (laughs) I had been enchanted quickly. My disenchantment came as rapidly, although it was long before the poison left my blood. Oh, shit. Okay. One night, about a couple of weeks after my coming to the cottage, I had returned after a delicious moonlit walk with Ariadne. The night was warm and the moon at the full. Therefore, I left my bedroom window open to let in what little air there was. I was more than a little... (laughs) All right, I'm going to say the word and then we're going to define it, okay? I was more than unusually fagged out. So that means unusually tired. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Just don't uh, very, use that word anymore. Very tired or exhausted by hard work or physical exercise. Unless you're Jesse Luttrell, you're not allowed to use that word. <laughs> so that I had only strength enough to remove my boots and coat before I flung myself wearily on the coverlet and fell almost instantly asleep without tasting the nightcap draft that was constantly placed on the table. Uh-oh. Oh, they've been giving him, like, like d- vampire juice or something. <laughs> I don't know. They leave him a nightcap, but it's drugged. Nightcap. It, it's it, drugged as fuck. It helps make his brain moist. <laughs> I bet it does. Um, Damn. And which I had always drained thirstily. So up until this night, he had drunk this mysterious liquid left by his bedside table. Okay. Which zonks him the hell out. Yep. Interesting. So So it's like NyQuil. So that the vampire can come in and... (laughs) It's vampire NyQuil. New from NyQuil. Vampire. Vampire NyQuil. (laughs) Are you tired of having to go out in daylight? Do you wish your skin would sparkle or maybe catch on fire or glow try vampire nyquil you know what given covid like might as well 
We're not going out in the sun or anything right now anyway. Vampire time. <laughs> I had a ghastly dream that night. I thought I saw a monster bat with the face and tresses of Ariadne fly into the open window and fasten its white teeth and scarlet lips on my arm. I tried to beat the horror away, but could not, for I seemed chained down and thralled almost with drowsy delight at the beast sucking my blood with a gruesome rapture. I looked out dreamily and saw a line of dead bodies of young men lying on the floor, each with a red mark on their arms, on the same part where the vampire had been sucking me, and I remembered having seen and wondered at such a mark on my own arm for the past fortnight. Ah! Well, that'd be a good thing to bring up. In a flash, I understood the reason for my strange weakness, and at the same moment, a sudden prick of pain roused me from my dreamy pleasure. <gasps> she didn't take the juice! Yeah, it didn't knock him out hard oh, enough. Oh, shit! The vampire in her eagerness had bitten a little too deeply that night, unaware that I had not tasted the drugged draft. As I woke, I saw her fully revealed by the midnight moon, with her black tresses flowing loosely and her red lips glued to my arm. With a shriek of horror, I dashed her backwards, getting one last glimpse of her savage eyes, glowing white face and blood-stained red lips. Then I rushed out to the night, moved on by fear and hatred, nor did I pause in my mad flight until I had left miles between me and that accursed cottage on the moor. The end. Yeah, that's right. Put that vampire maid miles in your rear. <laughs> I ran so fast from the vampire maid, there were eight miles in my rear. And I ran. I, I ran, ran so, so far away. Eight miles in my rear. <laughs> well, shit. All right. He did so escape. So he, he, did got, escape. he got out of there yeah. because he didn't take the drugs. Yeah. She, so shit, she'd been doing this forever. For and two I weeks. bet Mama, Mama knew. No, had been doing it to him, but yeah. he, he oh, saw the people yeah. from the past. Yeah. So like they moved. I'm guessing, I wonder if mom's a vampire. I don't think mom's a vampire too. I'm guessing mom is like, there's something wrong with her. And these men, like if we, at least we move to the middle of nowhere, there will be less. Yeah. Like, like well, I think, pillaging of so, people. So there's, you know, there's always um, different uh, variations on the vampire mythology. I'm guessing that in this case, being a vampire did not make her mindless evil. Yeah. She still recognizes mom. Yeah. And mom still recognizes daughter. And yeah. so mom just moved her and her daughter out to this little cabin I'm in the middle of nowhere. I'm guessing daughter ate dad. Could be. <laughs> That's why she's a fucking widow. Oh, she did say widow, didn't she? Yes, she did. Yep. Yep. Ariadne Brunnell. Eight dad. Eight dad. <laughs> oh, man. Well, shit, that was really good. That was a good that one. That was really beautifully written. Yeah. Like. Thank you, Hume Nisbet. Yeah, Hume Nisbet. Like that. So I, I wish I could like show you at home. Uh, but like the way, it, the way that story is written is very much like a. Uh, 
like a poetry verse. The actual physical layout yeah. in the, like, on the I'm, page. I'm guessing it was done very intentionally the way like that kind of poetry is. Because like at first I was like, that's not the end of a sentence. Oh, it's like reading Shakespeare. You've got to wait till the period comes, Lawler. <laughs> you actually have to look for the punctuation. You actually have to like follow along. And it was so, yeah, it clearly was a poet. Clearly arts and poetry because it was very vivid. Like I could see that whole story very vividly. And I'm so glad he didn't drink his drunk juice that night. <laughs> yeah. All right. So traditional vampire rules. Yes. Can't go out in the sun. They did always go out at night. They, well, they, they no, they didn't. They they went out in the sun. Yeah. Um, but uh, if you look at um, if you read Dracula, yeah, that wasn't a thing. That's not a thing. Yeah. Um, his his powers are greater at night. Yeah. But which he, seems to follow seems to be the case this. here. But um, but daylight doesn't kill them. No. So uh, let's assume traditional vampire rules. Mm-hmm. Um. A vampire catches you. Yep. You are drained to the point of death, mm-hmm. and you are given the choice between um, death. Uh, death or coming back as a vampire. Which do you choose? Vampire. For fucking sure. <laughs> <laughs> Heather's got some work to do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You come back as a vampire. Who's the first person you go after? Mitch McConnell. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't even give him the choice. Wow. He's just dying. <laughs> Sorry. That's the theme of this episode. Dear Secret Service, <laughs> if you're listening, and I know you are, because you're always listening. I'm not a vampire. That was not a threat. No, it wasn't. Vampires aren't real. Aren't real. We deal in fiction. Guillotines are. Please do. <laughs> For fuck's sake, woman, I'm trying to cover your ass. <laughs> This is why I get blocked on Twitter. <laughs> Not blocked. I get put in Twitter jail sometimes. I have opinions. I am a strong woman. <laughs> yes, but Secret Service, I'm, you know, it's all in, in fun. <laughs> Jeebus. Turtle, 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 doo beep, beep, Um, But yeah. See, that's the thing. I don't. Who would yours be? Who would, if you, if you became, first of all, would you choose death oh, or yeah. Vampire. Vampire. So who would who would you who would you go for first? I don't know. Um, to be honest, I'd probably come for you first. Oh, because then we could vampire together. Cool. Yeah. So like th- like okay. So that's I guess there's the, that's the first. Like, Thank you. Who's the first person I would just straight up kill? Yeah. But like, who would I want to turn into my vampire posse? Like, uh, is in a um. Oh, what's that show? Uh, in the shadow. Uh, uh, what we do in the shadows. What we do in the shadows. Like I would absolutely like go find some great people that I love, and be like, I'm a vampire now. Would you like to be in my forever vampire posse? <laughs> and I would find a mansion. <laughs> like what we do in the shadows. Like I like it. Yeah, because there's a couple in that one. Like yeah. that have been a couple like for like 300 years. 200 years or something. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Yep. So yeah, I'm trying to think. Like, I feel like a I would um I would avoid people that I know, and realistically, I would probably avoid uh the the vampiric death of any um people of celebrity or highly important political status. 
because I don't want to draw attention to my vampire existence. I love that this conversation is happening because vampires aren't real. If you believe vampires are real, you write into us and tell us why you believe vampires are real. But <laughs> we all did get COVID from a bat. So maybe it is real. <laughs> 2021, y'all. <laughs> get, get your bingo cards ready. <laughs> is 2021 the, the year, year America... The year America turns into a nation of vampires. Discuss. Stay tuned. Find out. That got weird. That got super weird. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that was fabulous. Love the new author. Love two crimes, true crimes and a lie. Um, love some vampiric... Um, Vampire stories are fun. Vampire stories are very fun. Yeah, yeah we had the. It was a vampire theme. Yeah. This entire this entire episode. Yeah. So I appreciate yeah, that. That was a good. I actually I almost um, uh the the one story that was a uh, a lie in True Crimes and a Lie. I almost selected that as the story you were gonna read. Oh. But it's just a little. It's a little long. It's long. Yeah. Okay. It it would have been a very lengthy episode. Yeah. It was like. 7,500 or something. Yeah. 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 We could do it, but we need to know. It'd be be a long (laughs) one. Yeah. Uh, All right. Um, Thank you, dear listener, for tuning in once again. Yeah. Uh, This has been delightful. Absolutely wonderful. Uh, As always, check us out on social medias. We've got the Instas and the Faces and the the Twitters and and the TikToks and the, 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 you know, those things. We also have a website. All the stuff. We also have a website, campfireclassicspodcast.com. And an email, 5050artsproduction at gmail.com, which you can find on the website. So So, uh, come say hi, hang out, um, make story suggestions, uh, or just say hi. Or just be like, sup. That's cool, too. Yeah, I love it. All right. Cool. Happy 2021. Happy 2021. Until next Tuesday, this has been Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf. I hope 2021 puts eight miles in your rear.